Welcome to Building Conversations, a construction podcast powered by the STO Building Group. In honor of Women in Construction Week, today's episode features three women who have helped bring some of Structure Tone New York's most iconic projects to life. Join Superintendent Kira Brady, Project Manager Eileen McCarthy, and Vice President and Operations Manager Stacy Daxon to hear more about their experiences as women in the field. Hello, welcome to the Building Conversations podcast. I am here with Stacy Daxon and Eileen McCarthy, and I'm Kira Brady. I'm a super for us here in New York, and I've been with us almost nine years. I started out as an RP and then and then rotated and have stayed in as a superintendent in operations. And I'm Stacy Daxon, Vice President and Operations Manager here at Structure Tone. I'm here going on 18 years this January. And I've always been in an operations role from superintendent to general super, project manager, director of special projects, and now ops manager. Good morning. I'm Eileen McCarthy. I'm a project manager here in New York City with Structure Tone. It will be 22 years in February that I'm with the company, and I came in as a PM, and I've been a PM my entire tenure here. Awesome. All right. So building off of that. What inspired you guys to start in construction and then also just continue and pursue a career in construction? I don't know if it was necessarily inspired, but my (laughs) dad was in another aspect of the construction industry. And I remember being knee-high to a grasshopper and listening to stories about steam fitters, iron workers, plumbers, carpenters, you name it. And P.S., then I end up in the business. So I think it was by osmosis, but I like the just seeing something go from zero to completion. And I think that that once I got into it, I was on the paperwork side for many years as an admin, worked my way up. So I saw the paperwork side, but I also saw the building side go on. And I knew that that's where I wanted to go. And and I made it to the building side of things. My career in construction is really circuitous. I've never had any intention of getting into this industry. It really became a function of economic forces. Uh, When I graduated uh, graduate school, my thought was that I would go into the public sector. That was where most of my internships were and thought I would stay within research and development and just writing series of reports and papers on traffic and things of that sort as I worked my way through the Port Authority and uh, DOT. So... By 1995 or so, we started to have a softening of the economy, and of course, the public sector immediately stops hiring. And at that point, I had to pivot and go into private sector. And it was logical to go from a I was pursuing a career in industrial engineering in the public sector, which was doing feasibility studies and economic comparisons for different infrastructure projects for the Port Authority. So the decision was to go into the private side and actually build. And that is how I got here. There you go. Like I said, I've been here almost just about nine years, and I've seen a lot of changes throughout my time here. But, you know, you guys being 10, 20 years in the industry, 10, even more in the industry, (laughs) what (laughs) what changes have you guys seen throughout your careers? I definitely have seen many more women now joining, which is refreshing to see, but yes. still a deficit in the in the field, right? Trades absolutely definitely seeing a lot more tradeswomen. Mm-hmm. But from a project management and superintending point of view, certainly still a ways to go, but there has been vast improvement over the past over the past 
20 years. Absolutely. You saw them on the owners. You still see them on the owner's side, the architectural mm-hmm. side or the designers, which I call the soft side of the business <laughs> or the hard side of the business. You are seeing more, although occasionally I still will get a comment like, wow, you're the first woman I've worked with in in the business, just like, God, what planet were you on? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, I yeah. mean, I, I don't think I'm that rare. Um, that kind of took me back. And it was a lighting vendor because I was pounding them about delivery dates. Where's this? Where's that? And actually got the owner of the company in there, a young gal. Uh, her father started the company, so she's working her way up. And I think she was rather intrigued because as I hit the floors and I'm talking to somebody, answering questions, meanwhile, answering her questions, she was just like, my God, where'd you come from? And I was like, been here for 35 plus years in New York City doing this, so I'm not new. And you do see more of them. You see more women in the trades, still very much in the minority. And God bless those women. I mean, it's like, Mm -hmm. I I watch them and I Mm -hmm. give them a lot of credit, Mm -hmm. you know. Well, it's funny that you say that, Eileen, you know, that being like some people you meet are meeting you as a woman in the field for right. the first time in their entire careers. And these are not people that are just beginning in their careers either, right? No. They're, they have some mileage She's, on them, yes, right? Yeah. And it's funny because I met for lunch one of my clients and she was saying to me that myself in a VP role, it's like an enigma right. in New York City. Yeah. That I'm one of less than a handful of women that have hit the VP role that actually occupied an operational career Mm -hmm. and you sit back and you say oh my gosh you know is that like great or is it a little sad right that it's that there's so few that are in these roles i think it's a combination of both and then even here in the organization right there's such a deficit between like an age group so look at myself and eileen and then and kira right and looking at that span of time where eileen and i sit and then the next in the leadership there is a big big gap big gap in age and I think it's really strictly because of the fact that it's just not as encouraged in school. Right. Yeah. In the time frame that where we are. Right. right. So now it's a, a greater encouragement, a lot more outreach. Yes. And a lot more. There was none of that. Open mindedness towards a pursuit of the, right. of the career. There was none of that when I started. I mean, I started out, as I said, paperwork, worked my way up, admin was given a chance to go out in the field on a base building job in Hartford, Connecticut mm-hmm, back in mm-hmm. the mid-1980s. What I knew you could put in a thimble. Mm-hmm. The gentleman who worked, who was running the project said, go take a blueprint course. I did. And I just bought a pair of construction boots and spent time out in the field and actually got mud boots too because it was a base building site. So I was in clay. Sometimes I would get, it was a little stuck. bit lighter then, but <laughs> I would get stuck and I have to get pulled out. Um, but I went out, asked questions, watched listened, learned. The men, I say men because that's collectively what I've been dealing with for all these years, have been my best teachers. And I even told you that at St. Pat's, go out, pick their brains, spend time with them, ask questions. Everybody wants wants to talk about what they do. And they're, they're very open to, obviously, not when they're in the heat of battle, but they will take the time, they'll explain it. If you're actually engaged, they will, they will take the time and Mm -hmm. they'll teach you. But looking at it, I mean, I was the only one for a long, long time, the only one. Yeah, just keep moving, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> I don't even think about it. I just did it, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I, think, I think that's what right. became part of the metal to pursue it and to yeah. keep on going Very and getting so. through it was just shaking it off and keep on going keep forward. Either you're on board yeah. with me or you're not, and just yeah. keep going. Yeah. So that's actually a very good segue for our next question. So, like you said, being one of the only women on your job site in the field, I often get like, how do I find being a woman in the field? Is are there difficulties? What do you what do you experience on a day to day? 
for me, like you said, we were at St. Pat's together, so that helped yes. a ton. I was 22, and it's like, oh, this is great. There's a woman PM here. That's awesome. And I can ask you, like, random, is this all right? Or, you know, just random questions. So for you both, did you have a specific instance where you felt it was difficult to be a woman in the industry? And how have you overcome those obstacles and challenges? I don't know that I could call out a specific one. I know a lot of times it was the perception typically when, and I'm sure you had the same experience, Stacy. you'd start a job, you'd have to do your kickoff meeting, you'd get the subs, they'd come in and they'd all just sit there, you know, like around the table and nobody's saying anything. And I would just go through my little spiel. This is what I expect. This is what, you know, we're going to do. And they'd all just sort of look and go, uh, all right. Well, when I was younger, I would fight against that kind of attitude coming back towards me. Or if somebody was just like blowing me off, so to speak, not really answering the question or whatever. I found as I've gotten older, I'll wait. I'll sit back because eventually they have to come back to you and you've got the answer. You already know the answer or you've already set everything up to proceed with, whether mm-hmm. it be work or organization or making sure submittals are running through, you know, everybody's doing their job on our side of the barricade. And when you get that, like I said, now I wait. And it's just like, okay, I'll wait, you're going to come back. And they do. <laughs> so overcoming that, I once had somebody when I was in my mid-30s say to me, and he was a Southern gentleman, Miss Alain, it will get much easier for you when you get older and you have some gray hair. He was right. <laughs> he was right. It, it, it did get a little bit easier. But also, too, I think once people know that if you're a straight shooter, you're fair, you're out there doing your job, your reputation precedes you. And once that happens, and I mean in a good way, once that happens, that actually, carries yes, yeah, it carries through. you through. Well, reputation is everything. I had the benefit of growing up in an extremely patriarchal household. So... We had very defined roles in the house. So going into a man's industry, which part of why I pursued it was to irritate my dad, (laughs) was really I had the benefit of knowing, let's call it my place. So starting off and being a little on the docile side, right? Listening more than I spoke, which Mm -hmm. I recommend for anybody starting off in the industry anyway. Right. Really kind of just approaching it with a little trepidation right just taking it slowly and then speaking and then being impactful when you did speak yes Mm -hmm. yeah and it was never really over talking never having to prove that you knew everything or that you knew more than everybody else around the table because at one point right it wasn't just that you were the only woman on the job it was that you were the youngest on the job right both factors just how much do you know and you're a woman and you don't belong here yeah So it was really kind of approaching it slowly, methodically. And then when you did actually strike, you struck. Right. (laughs) And I think to your point, you know, um, my mother had an expression, give your ears a chance. Well, that's very true. And usually when I see somebody just constantly talking and nattering, it's like, oh, this is going to be an adventure. But (laughs) just step back, listen, and spend the time. And a lot of times, if you just listen to everything and all the conversations going around you, you can usually ferret out and make it pick out the parts that you need to do and you can execute from Mm -hmm. that point. Mm -hmm. It's not hard. It's just, and the other thing is when 
I'm sure you've done it, Stacy, and I know you saw me do it. If there was a problem, you'd get all of the entities in, whether it be the architect, the plumber, the electrician, get everybody in there, say, okay, these are the plans. This is the way we have to go, but I'm concerned about this. And then just stop talking because ultimately the men in the field are going to solve the problem better than, in my opinion, any architect yeah, or engineer absolutely. because they're hands-on, they're living it. Well, our job is to be the maestro. The facilitator. We yes. get everybody yes. into the room and they duke it out, right? right? It's bringing the right people into the room at the right times, bringing the architect in at the right time. Yep. And that's what I think really creates the benefit of women being in the field is really understanding that because we don't need to always speak to be heard. Yes. Right. <laughs> and we allow room for others. It's like they're the, the bridge between the trades yes. and the design. Right? Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So next up with our lovely, busy day-to-day that we experience each day, how do you balance your family and your outside interests outside of your career? It's extremely difficult. For myself, you know, I am married and I have two stepkids and I have three dogs. And it's it's difficult. It's not easy. I got married late in life, really, because my career was kind of dominating things. And, and I allowed it to, right? So you sow your seeds mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and you have to lay in your bed, right? So it isn't, it isn't so simple. And when you're trying to develop yourself in your career, you want to be the first on the job. You want to be the last on the job. You want to be there all the time. You want to be able to catch everything. And some of it is a little self-imposed, right? You are a, a bit of, of an underdog, right? As a, as a woman in the field... They're not counting on you to succeed, right? And right. there are some that are hoping that you don't. So therefore, you want to be on everything. So therefore, all bases are covered at all times. And much to the chagrin of your family and personal life, that goes by the wayside. Yeah, yeah. that's right. So it's something you have to be cognizant of to really, really balance things and unplug and pull yourself away and realize that you are not going to be able to control everything. If you can lasso the moon, you would have already. <laughs> um, and so it is It is not very simple. Yeah. Right. That is the long and short of it. <laughs> and I, I don't have anybody at home. I'm single. But that is just as hard because Kira's seen the hours that I would put in, come in on weekends. And just, again, to your point, you're trying to stay ahead, making sure everything's That's- covered. I also think it's the way women, girls are trained when we're growing up. You have a recipe, you follow the recipe. So it's kind of ingrained in us. There's a certain way that you process things Mm -hmm, where mm -hmm. there was never that. And there have been studies on this where it's not like men in sports where you're in the locker room and everybody's, you know, yay and everybody's a team and whatever. You're a lot of what we do is singular, not saying that I'm singular on a job, but it's just how you process things. So the unplugging. I will tell you, when I was younger, it was very hard for me to do. I remember going on vacations, and I wouldn't leave work until 11, 12 o'clock, go home three hours of sleep, and then get on a plane and go someplace. Really? Mm-hmm. You know, so I've had to kind mm-hmm. of pull myself back, and this week has been particularly a challenge. And last night, I was a little bit late, but I chose to. And then I said, okay, taking this train do what I can up until that point, And then that's it. I've got to just, like you said, unplug. The other night I got home, I was so tired and I watched a Hallmark movie for two hours. So that was really unplugging, but it was great. And it was just, it was kind of the, the little bit of a break and just total escapism that I needed so I could come back yesterday and yeah. start 
you know, yes, you can out. very easily bring work home with you. And oh, my stars. We all, yes. we all do. Yes. Your mind just runs and you're thinking at what, about what, something At what point ridiculous. in your career did you stop waking up in the middle of the night and springing out of bed? I still do it. <laughs> <laughs> when did that? Does that ever happen? Yeah, no. It, it it's does. the worst. Yeah, I, I, many times on jobs, and I don't know why I've always just fo- focused in on light fixtures, because as you both know, those are critical to the job. And they're usually chasing me around the bedroom at night, which is kind of a, there's a visual for you. But, um, you know, it's just because you wake up and think, oh, but if I do this and I do this and don't, you know, we can get an overall dimension and just let it fly, we'll be okay. But it's just, and I've always found that I solve a lot of problems when I'm doing laundry. Don't ask me what sorting laundry and solving problems. Yeah, I know, but your brain is swooling yeah. out. Mm-hmm. You're not even thinking about it consciously. And it's like, a flash comes. It's like now I know some of those to mon- do. mundane tasks allow yes. you that catharsis. Yes, right? to yeah. think things through and yeah. catalog and shift things into what's important, what's Correct. not important, what I'll get to. So yes. <laughs> All right. So we'll change gears just a little bit um, to some leadership styles. So how have you guys developed your leadership style in this male-dominated industry of ours? Hmm. <laughs> I don't think it's anything conscious, Kira. I watched a lot of people as I was coming up, always had four male bosses. I did have one very strong female at one point in time and just watched how they processed things. But they were always well ahead of the curve. Like ten, if you think you could be five steps ahead of somebody, they were 10 steps ahead of you. So if you could almost catch up and match with that, I think it's also your personality type too and how you approach things. People say, you know, well, how do you deal in the field? It's like a lot of common sense. That usually helps. <laughs> yes. Some child psychology. So I don't know that. I mean, I didn't set out to do it. It was just, but it, like I said, be fair, be straight and listen. Usually if you do that and then it's like have them help you problem solve and pull people in that way. I, I think that that's kind of evolved for me. Case in point, I'm walking out and I have an electrician calling me. He says, the Audrey experience. And and we have four lights now. I said, okay, did you scale the drawings? No. Okay, scale the drawings, count the track heads. I have to run down to the office. I'll be back. And then tell me what the lengths of the tracks are. So he's like, okay. I said, I'll talk to you later, Joe. That was it. But I don't know. I don't, it's not something I, I don't consciously think about it or how did I evolve? It just happened. And yeah, I guess you just organic. Right. Yeah. yeah. You, you just kind of, I don't know, morph into it or move into the, you know, yeah. how from, you from my leadership things. style as it's morphed for myself also. It's what I have since learned is called servant leadership. Really? Where yeah. so, it, it, and so it sounds so. <laughs> Go on. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, so I didn't know what it was until it was all of a sudden described. And I was like, okay, I what think is I it? understand it. So from a servant leadership point of view is to really be serving your people. Right. So you serve mm-hmm. and you think about it in the, in the context of the field. Mm-hmm. We get the subs together. We're serving them. How do I make your job easier? Right. What, what do you need from me to facilitate your work? And then in concert with that, now talking from a people point of view and who I'm managing, how do I help you optimally perform? Mm -hmm. What do you need to succeed? Make these things happen. What do we need to do to set you up so that you have proper access, whether it be CMIC and various other things so that you can be working optimally at all times? And that's how I see it. So it's never a point where you're working for me. How am I helping you? 
and <laughs> interesting. Serve, what was it and called again? Servant, servant leadership. Servant wow, leadership. that's I've never heard that, but that's it's very true. And I think once you're there, you're you're doing it anyway. I never you thought of it. Right. That's that's, 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 what, that's, I'm doing. that's yeah. what I'm saying. Right. So all of a sudden, you hear something described, and and all of a sudden, it's given a title. Right, everything's given a title. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but that's really what what I think works well. And then it's also just being a little fearless, right? Knowing your people have a backstop, that the buck does stop with you and yes. don't worry about it, giving them the latitude and the strength to that go you have forward, their back. That I have you. Don't worry about it. You go and do your thing and we're good. And I think the other thing is too, if you make a mistake or something happens and it, it, you have to, there's, as I tell everybody that works for me or with me, that's what they put erasers on pencils for. <laughs> we all make mistakes. Mm -hmm. Okay. I thought I had one last night and I was talking to myself, but it seems like it's turned itself around, but I got all my paperwork in order, talked to the super this morning, talked to the light. You know, it's just a matter of making sure you've closed all the loops. You've looked at all the issues We've gotten everything solved. Okay, now we can pull the trigger and order these for these three floors. I need the super on the upper two floors to measure for me. And then I need the young fellow that's due in the second floor as well as ground to do the same for his floor. So I think organization also falls into that too and how you process things. Mm -hmm. I mean, Kira, you know how organized I am. Yes. And she used to just chuckle. The baby plans. Right, the baby plans. <laughs> yes, I'm very big on baby plans. <laughs> and binders and um, the, the, the men on the job site when we were at St. Pat's, they go, oh, well, I can't find it. I wouldn't even look and I would just go up, pull down a binder mm -hmm. and just put it in front of them. So how have you adapted with technology? Um, it's it's a challenge. Yeah. Although I do have to say, I love the thing on plan grid when you can pull the drawing up, wait, and I'm looking for a light fixture type and I go, and, you and I type in the, the three best. letters and it's like, yes, three matches. And then I expand it. I'm getting faster. I'm getting faster. Do do the overlay? Cause, or do you still do the super, your hand, print the paper out and you do the supersede? Oh, no, I overlay. haven't. I They had to break me of the drawings that I broke know. my heart because I killed a lot of trees. <laughs> not a good thing. just stacks and stacks yes. and every issuance would say superseded by bulletin, yeah, the date. blah, blah, blah. Right. Yeah. We've, we've had so many changes on the job that I'm on that now with the, yeah, forget about it. Yeah. I mean, we would need structural steel support for the plant. <laughs> but it takes a lot when you're so used to the paper. Yes. Right? It's, however, it's hard to break the habit. However, we have thousands, for instance, on this job, we have thousands of light fixtures. And I told the lighting vendor, I said, you can't give me one package because these are all over the, the building. Give me it by floor. I want a table of contents. Everybody thought I was nuts. But then when they saw there was a method to my mm -hmm. madness, mm -hmm. I said, we'll approve them this way. I did, however, make copies of all of those. I have the master binder. I broke it up by the three supers and the three electricians. And then the best part was the the one of the foremen, the he was the last one to get it because he had five floors and it was it was Herculean and the pages are tabbed. It was duplicate. <laughs> I made three sets, one for the super, one for the foreman, and I had the young kid doing document control with me, helping me out. And once he saw what I needed, you know, he knew and I would write the tabs out and we would get it all organized. And Rick says one day to Brian, the other foreman, he's like, where'd you get that book? And he's like <laughs> flipping through it. And Brian says, oh, Eileen gave it to me. So we've all been lucky enough to be on some awesome projects. Yes. Mm -hmm. We've talked about St. Pat's, which was my first project, first structure job, and I was with Eileen. We casually got blessed by the Pope. It was great. Yes. So what are your most memorable projects or, you know, moments during your career in general? I need to think about that one. No, I, I have so many. <laughs> well, St. Pat's was very cool. I mean, yeah. it, it's an icon in New York City. I mean, everybody awesome. knows St. Yeah. Patrick's. 
And yeah, we were blessed by the Pope. And what was really weird was when to see the Pope mobile come down the street and the whole street just, it was just this hush. It was amazing. And he came up and the the bells were ringing. Yeah, it it was really something. But there was one day, I don't know if you were in the church with me or if this was before you got there, Kira. Remember when we had the side aisles all scaffolded mm-hmm. and I was up there I don't know, I was with one of the painters or whatever, and some group was rehearsing because very often they would come in, the organ would be playing or they'd mm-hmm. have different choirs mm-hmm. come in. And this young woman sang Ave Maria a cappella. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. We all just froze in our tracks. And then to have it done in church, it was just, yeah. Yeah. it, it yeah. still gives me goosebumps yeah. when I think yeah. about it. It was really you know, amazing. You know, the other jobs, and I'm not minimizing them, they had their own challenges. They had their own positives. It was just nice to see, you know, bigger jobs go through to completion or in, in, I've done many hotel rooms in my career, heads in beds. When you saw the newspapers hanging on the door, you knew once they flipped the room and they were selling it, we did our job, you know? So I don't think you can top Ave Maria (laughs) Acapella. That's great. So I've been on other types of projects. So you've been very lucky, Eileen, to have some very iconic projects mm-hmm. under your belt and comes a lot of stress, right? A oh, lot yes. of these deadlines are crazy. I've worked on some sizable projects myself and then a lot of small ones, which are extremely difficult as well. Well, it's the same moves, no matter whether it's no a big one or what a small is, one. Right. So very difficult. But I guess one of the most memorable, which I have many, some are negative and some are positive, right? <laughs> so this is like a really weird one. So for A&E Networks, we started our job and the architect was coming up with these really very flourishy designs and it was going completely out of budget and like out of budget by double the amount of budget originally oh dear. Um, earmarked for the project. And with that, they fired the um, architect in the midst of my demo of the, of the buildings, right? So we were putting two buildings together on 45th Street, going from 3rd Avenue down to 2nd second, uh, second Avenue down to 3rd Avenue. Wow. So on a slope, but we were combining the two buildings together, breaking open the party walls, making access between the buildings and making it a big campus for A&E Networks. So I'm in the midst of all of my demo, taking out radiators here and there because we were going to do chill beam mm-hmm. and a whole other type of uh, chiller system up on the roof. And I get a call, Stacy. How far did you get on demo? I said, "Well, I'm already down to the I'm down to the first <laughs> <Pretty floor. far. laughs> Did you take out all? Did you take out all the radiators? I said, "The radiators are leaving the building right now, but I did leave a few on each floor, so I did maintain the riser, and I had to leave a few on each floor because we were going to go through some seasons and you we were going to freeze the building. Right, right. Great, because we have to put them all back in again. I said, "Well, they're already <laughs> gone." And with that cancellation of the of the architect and the firing of the architect, there was a little bit of time now to get a new architect on board, which was Mancini Duffy. I had gotten engaged earlier that year, and I was kind of kicking around getting married. I was like, oh, God, I don't have time for this. I have TCOs. I have things to do. <laughs> You know, I mean, normal stuff, right? You have conversations about. Thankfully, my husband is in the industry, so (laughs) someone understands. And um, so I had six weeks that the client says, we don't want Stacy to leave. We want her to stay here because we don't, we're going to have walkthroughs. They're going to be doing different scans of the floor. We're facilitating the new, the new um, architect for them to draw everything completely new. So they have six weeks with which to deliver the job. uh, the Mancini Duffy to give us actual drawings. So I sat on the site, said to my husband, all right, we're going to get married. He's like, oh, 
okay. And I said, I have six weeks to plan the whole thing because the architect gets on board within six weeks and I have to pit rubber to the road. So we're going to do everything now and we're going to get everything squared away. And you will have a good time. You said to him. Right. So I planned everything. We didn't get married during that time, but everything was set, set up. up. Yeah. And then I was looking at the schedule based upon when I was going to receive those oh, drawings. My stars. Based on the bid, based on the buyout and the, and the purchasing <laughs> and the TCO. I was like, the TCO should be in the bag by June. We'll get married in August. I'll have time to finish the punch list and we'll be into the next phase because it was a multi-phase project. Did it work? The TCO never happened until December, but I still got married in August. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But it's those that, but that was just like a memorable moment for me of how just trying to figure out, you know, back to your, how do you balance your career and your life? You know, you don't. Um, You just (laughs) tuck it in wherever you can. Right. (laughs) So remember that, Kara, when you're doing TCOs. Yeah, good to know. Good tip. (laughs) (laughs) They do come and go. Right. (laughs) So really just feeding off of, your most memorable what have been sort of your that was some challenging challenging stories but some challenges that you guys have have faced in your careers as well oh my (laughs) where to start yeah a lot of challenges the challenges like have manifested in in different types of ways you know as far as just really being taken seriously right like i've had my fair share of misogyny you know off of clients that wouldn't talk to me oh i i can't say that i've had that so much for me it's been delivery of items making sure that you could get stuff done if you have it you can build it and the pandemic just has just blown things to smithereens Mm -hmm. and it's it's starting to cycle backwards a little bit better now but uh, you know how do you build it if you don't have it and then you have a client stand there and say well i want it well (laughs) okay i want a lot of things too but we don't have it yeah you know so i don't know i i it's kind of a hard question to answer because I don't think you ever stop and think about how you're doing it. You just, you just get through it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, you know, you met with some of those challenges, right? So you have some clients and sure. you have owner's reps that certainly paint a picture that's a little different than reality. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> that, that's and then you have statement. to walk things back a little bit and right. kind of dash hopes and dreams or at or least say, explain why something why, right. can happen why, or how it's happening. Right? So it's... it's uh, I think you, you meet the challenges with just truth. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and you need to serve the information as hot as possible, right? That it's not, you don't let things go cold when no. there's bad news and, yeah. and you try to just gain that trust of your client in the face of the adversity. I mean, the supply chain and everything with COVID has been completely upside down. Right. Right. And it's always like the most random things too, that you're like, who would have thought, you know, right. Right. Well, fortunately, purple would be purple cabling would be a problem. Right. 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 Yeah. We did have some problems with cabling on <laughs> yeah. our job and yeah. it was a long yeah. lead. The light fixtures, many of them, we were out of the pandemic, but a lot of them had already been ordered previously because this this job went through uh, a buyout and some a new owner came in, mm-hmm. stopped the presses, shelve everything, new design. So some of the stuff or some of the items we already have in, had in house, but you don't just pull stone from Italy. It has to come off a mountain. (laughs) You know, um, right, right. Forests for wood floors. And you know, so that's been that's been a challenge, you know. But you don't think about it. You just keep moving, go to try and find a plan B or this is what it is. This is when it's coming. You just have to keep, like you said, serve it and just keep Mm -hmm. being truthful and yeah. Yeah. Letting everybody know. Mm -hmm. Communication is always key. And I think women are much better at that. Yes. In a lot of ways. 
You know, it's not our information. It's everybody's information, or right. at least that's how I've always felt on the yeah, job. It's not like you're holding it back to then right. drop a bomb. It's like, no, here's... Yeah, well, here's that's an important point play. that you bring up, Kira, right? That there are many people that try to keep it to themselves, mm-hmm. right? And you think you're yes. going to resolve the problem yourself. Yeah. And my advice I give to my whole team, if you can't resolve it within 24 hours, hand it up. Right, like right. give it to yeah. God type of thing. Manage up and like manage you have down. to. You have to yes. just spread it around because other people can can rally and try to help solve sure. that problem. But mm-hmm. for you to harbor it and you can't fix it immediately, then stop holding on to it. Right, and it's not an admission of weakness. It's not an admission of incompetence. Right, it is just a problem that needs more than just yeah, one I did person the leg to work and yes. shot. Right, I yes. some more. Yeah, <laughs> some others. Okay, awesome. So next up, we have. Uh, we just kind of spoke about this earlier of what changes you guys have seen, we've seen during your careers. Where do you think that there are opportunities for improvement when it comes to women in construction, getting young women involved, kind of drawing people to the lovely careers that you both have had? <laughs> um, I think it's really educating people to understanding how dynamic and how lucrative the, the position is, right? Mm-hmm. To, yeah. to work in the field the constant problem solving, it is so interesting, right? The things that you're presented with, the experiences you have. Yes. Who would ever think that, I mean, not that it's so outlandish that you're working at St. Pat's that you'd meet the Pope, but it's just like, it's insane. this is a story <laughs> for the ages. <laughs> right, yeah. right. Right. And those types of nuances are so interesting and so many stories that you can regale at a cocktail party, right? That everybody's surrounding you the whole time <laughs> because they can't even believe what you do every day. Right. And and these these little stories that are just so... They're just so colorful. <laughs> they're, they're so oh, yes. interesting. Um, but I think also what would maintain and retention, right? It's one thing to attract, mm-hmm. another thing to retain, is really talking about flexibility. You yeah. know, where where Eileen and I are coming off of a generation where we yielded to work, right? Mm-hmm. Work did not yield to our lives. Right. And there has been a huge shift towards um more enjoyment of your personal life and putting that as paramount versus your work life, right? Or really, really having a true balance, if you will. So I think that answering the call of today is instituting some, a little bit more flexibility. If you have a doctor's appointment, taking the day and working from home, there is a a modicum of work, even working in the field that you can work from home. Absolutely. You can make your phone calls, same things that you're writing your desk in your field office, you know, and Mm -hmm. things like that. So to provide that flexibility, I think would give a little bit more um, of an attraction, I think. And it does work because Monday I, um, I, I worked from home this past Monday, I worked from home. And I actually had to go through our gal that does the expediting here in the office with the DOB had created a share file, but there were over 60 documents in there. And I literally had to click into each one. Well, there's usually invariably somebody clutching at my ankles any given moment of the day. You start a thought, you can't finish it. Mm -hmm. The phone's ringing. Somebody comes up, they've got a problem with the lights and it's just constant. And then, then there's, as you say, more colorful uh, events. I should have a GoPro camera on my shoulder. <laughs> I am a sitcom waiting to happen. Nobody's discovered me yet. And because uh, some of the stuff that happens, it really, it's like, to your point, at cocktail parties, when you tell people, you'll have them just hysterical when they mm-hmm. listen to some of these stories because yeah. it's just, and the characters that you're dealing with. So it was just wonderful when I sat at home and I went through all can 60 files. Stuff. I had 12 pages of notes. 
didn't have a printer. And um, <laughs> But I made it by hand because now I can go back and tie in, make sure. I knew we had all the DOB perfs on the site, which we've done. Mm-hmm. I've already cataloged them, but there were a couple that snuck in that it was like, I missed them. And I'm like, oh, dear God, if the DOB comes in and we're not up to date. I don't want to mm-hmm. put us at risk. Mm-hmm. So it was just nice to have that quiet time to think because... Man, sometimes in the field, but yeah, if you have that flexibility, not all the time, but just you yeah, know, like just, a one-off, it really was. It's like a catch-up day. Yes, it was. Yeah, I mean, I remember our, my catch-up day would be working Saturday afternoon. Exactly. Saturdays. <laughs> that yep. was our, that was the flexibility. <laughs> you on are Saturday. correct. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I have to catch up on that stuff. Yeah. I'll come in tomorrow. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 And then on Saturdays, you didn't have as many questions or it's a different energy on a job site wherever yeah, you know, are it truly it is a matter. time and a half day it was a time and a half day for paperwork for, it was right. like, look yeah. how much i can get done but yeah, but even Saturday. the trades you didn't really hear from them they just no. came in no they worked yeah. and they went home so you knew you were going to be clear to just not have anybody coming in with all the questions yeah that's true we've spoken about this before the importance of mentorships for me i've had the pleasure of talking to you guys as far as just sounding boards and what do you think about this? What what have your experience showed you? Um, I have different PMs I've worked with, with Paul, Scott, Molpe, and it's all great to have all these people because it's you all have built these amazing careers at Structure Tone. So for you guys, who kind of are your go to mentors when you when you hear the word mentorship? Who do you think of? For myself now, and and where I currently sit within the organization, I look at my co operating managers, operations managers. To see just how they are managing their teams, I lean a lot on Dan Finnegan just to get his leadership and his insight because at times his his vision is a lot clearer and a lot different than mine. That's sometimes one of the traits I have is that I get too into the weeds and sometimes I cannot see the forest through <laughs> the trees. Somebody at fifty thousand right? miles. So up. just being able to rely on someone just to do a Reader's Digest real quick download and get a different perspective that gives me a little bit more color to how I manage things. But coming up in the industry, it was few and far between, right? So it would really mentorship and sponsorship were things that were unlabeled, right? Didn't have a label. Right. And they weren't really discussed. People you worked with, right? right? So yeah. you would just observe, right? And so you'd observe certain people that were doing things that like, oh, no, that is certainly not working. So I'm going to click that off. That <laughs> does not work. Do that too. See other people and just say, my God, the way that they have the gift of gab and the way they're able to manage a meeting and, and keep everybody engaged. And you just watch those little nuances in body language mm. and you just observe. And that's really where my mentorship came from. It wasn't having a sounding board. It was more from an observational point of view. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would say that that's the case. I mean, I'm that many more years older than you, Stacey. So that really didn't exist when I was just starting out in the field. I mean, I had people say, go unload a truck and he wasn't kidding. No problem. (laughs) So, um, you know, it's been that kind of thing. So it was by observation, again, watching, it wasn't necessarily called out. There were, you know, my friend Phil, mm-hmm. and he worked for Structure Tone for over 15 years. And he, um, I saw him when I was on the owner's side, and I just watched how he ran things and how he moved. And it was just, huh, I'm hooking myself onto this guy's belt and going along for the ride. Yeah, and I yeah, did. And yeah. I learned. And I was on the client side, and he worked for Structure Tone, but I learned so much in watching him. Right. And yeah, like the right way of doing things and right, getting it right. done. Yeah. So 
it was really more observation. There wasn't anything specifically called out. I've very often had younger women in the company, if they've had an issue on a job site, um, they would either call me or someone would say, call Eileen, and I would just listen um, and tell them how I thought they should handle it. Yeah. And then I'd check mm-hmm. back in with them and I'd say, how'd it go? And they said, you were spot on. Yeah, I did that. And that it, it worked. I said, good. So, but it was just by process of elimination for me, many years of just experience, you know, how yeah, I handled sure. something and yeah. passing it along. So there's always that in one way, you don't even realize you're doing it. It's the paying it forward. Paying it forward is, is absolutely the most invaluable thing that you can do. And, yep. and if you're not doing it, it's a huge disservice. Mm-hmm. And to do have the things that we didn't necessarily have advocating for salary, talking to people about it, co- coaching them through those negotiations. Right. I still can't negotiate for myself, but I can <laughs> negotiate for everybody else. <laughs> but it's important to have that sounding board and let somebody know that you've, they've been there and they've been doing that yeah. and giving them a little sobriety to the things that they're going through. Sure. Yeah. It's funny, like as far as organically happening, we have mentorship programs here. My mentor was Paul Kiosian, and the first two years of working here, I avoided him like the plague. Like they kept saying, "You need to reach out to him." I was like, oh, "This is so weird." Like I don't know him, <laughs> and then he came to St. Pat's, and, I, and then he's been stuck with me for you know six years. But yeah, but then it, again, you just saw how he operated, and then you were I was drawn to him. I was all right. This guy knows what he's doing. But when he was assigned to me, it was like this is so strange. Like but there are so many people that. Yeah. In, in my my time here at Structure Town, that have been impactful to my life. Yeah, yeah. So I can't even like name everybody. Like Kevin Mulvey, if I didn't have Kevin Mulvey as my project manager when I first started, I don't know if I'd ever have lasted. Hmm. Yeah, it definitely. And is. taking cues from him was was huge that I still do. And even to this day, when it's like National Bosses Day, I'll reach out to him and just say, "You're the best boss I have." <laughs> That's oh. awesome. All right, so I think we're at our last question which I'm sure you're both thrilled about. Uh, <laughs> what is... A to get <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Several. Front of house. <laughs> what is the best career advice that you were ever given? And if you could give career advice to young women in operations, what would that be? Eileen, do you want to go first? Sure. I guess the best career advice I could give would be to know your project, know the drawings, um, and be organized. If you're organized... You can do anything. Case in point, reaching up and pulling down a binder without even having to look at it. It's a double-edged sword. Then people will see you as the go-to person. But you need to know what your job is about, all the paperwork, understand it. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to spend time with the men in the field, men and women in the field. But ask the questions of the actual tradespeople because they are the ones they're the ones that'll help you get through it. You mm-hmm. still have to engage, obviously, the architect and the engineers, but it's it's the people that that are out there doing the work every day. Those are the ones that'll be the best ones to help you. I would always say go to them for advice. I, I mm-hmm. agree with that, Eileen. Leveraging their experience and that makes you that much smarter. I would know most of the things that I know today without right. watching their execution and just having those casual conversations, being with them in the trenches, working the overnights and really gaining their trust. Or I would even say to them occasionally, all right, this is what's going on. Make me smart. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Teach me. Yeah. And And you get so much from that, right? Just to have, as you were talking earlier in the podcast, right, about 
getting people to talk about themselves and yes. what they do. And everybody wants to talk about that forever. So, and it's easy to start gleaning all of that information yes, from them. Absolutely. And everybody walks away smarter and understanding. I think a bit of advice that I would give is to be patient. Many people coming into the industry and all industry really are only looking at what the next role they're going to have for their career when they're not well seated in the one that they have now in the position they have now. So my, my, my advice is to enjoy the position really exploit that position for all that it's worth and not be so focused on what's happening next year, the year after, and where the promotions are sitting. Enjoy the role. Enjoy the ride. It makes you that much more prepared for the next role that you do have. Awesome. Thank you, Stacey and Eileen, uh, for all your time today. This is an awesome conversation, and I think it'll go out to a lot of people, and it'll be great. Thank you, Kira. Thank you, Kira. Thanks for listening to Building Conversations. For more episodes like this, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Audible, and the STO Building Group website.